0: So today we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 to 19. Uh, Ephesians 2, 17 to 19. Once you've got it, let's uh, stand up and read this together. Also want to welcome our friends joining us online. What's up? Um, Amen. Ephesians chapter two. Uh, It's great for you to join us. Um, If you're able, would love to see you in person sometime. Um, Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 17, uh, Paul writing about Jesus says, "And he, that's Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints." And members of the household of God, Father, thank you that you've placed us in this. Thank you that we're no longer strangers, we're no longer aliens, but we're 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 fellow citizens with all of the saints yes. and members of the household of God. Thank you. Speak in, speak that into us. Make that true to us. Make that real to us. Help us to live into that. We need you today. Amen. Um, so if I were to ask you what does it mean to be a part of your family your your biological family what does it mean to be a part of your biological family what kind of things would come to mind answer that silently Um, I've talked to some of you some of you would say to be a part of my family means to be late we just are late people we generally show up 30 minutes late Um, At broader family functions, they tell us that an event that starts at 7, they'll tell us it starts at 6, so we can hopefully make it there by 6.30. Um, uh, We're just late. Some of y'all, I talked to y'all, some of y'all would say to be a part of my family means we're food snobs. Um, We like good food. We cook good food. We eat good food. We hate bad food. Um, We're raising food snobs. We've sent food snobs out into the world perpetuating the food snob kingdom to be a part of this family. It's just to be food snobs. Here's one. Here's one. Um, some of y'all, a lot of y'all might say to be a part of my family means we bleed and breathe. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you, you, you would say I, I endured the cold years. I endured the bad years of Kansas City Chiefs football. You, you would say, I was married into it and I love it. You, your, your kids love the Chiefs. Your son has that ugly haircut Mahomes has. You, you have a dog with the Chiefs jersey on. You, you have a baby doing, if it's a girl, she's gonna be named Casey. If it's a boy, you're gonna name him Chief. You just really love the Chiefs. To be a part of my family means, what, what does it mean to be a part of your family? Uh, I ask that because I want to get you in the framework so I could inform you that to be a part of the family of God means to be a people who are at peace. God's family is a people who are at peace. You search the scripture and listen to what they're saying throughout the scripture, uh, streets of scripture. Word on the streets of scripture is that the father of this family is called the God of peace. Word on the streets of scripture is that the big brother of this family is called the prince of peace. Word on the streets of scripture is that the spirit in this family holds us all together united in the bond of peace. Words on the street, uh, street of scripture is when the father, son, and spirit reign. That reign is righteousness, peace, yeah. and joy. This is a family that's at peace. That's good news to us today, and I want us to grip how good of news it is by the time I sit down. Um, and here, I'll, I'll give you an early glimpse into why I believe this is good news. Um, about a year and three months, uh, three weeks ago, we sent out a message that said we're not going to be meeting in person on Sundays for the foreseeable future. Um, and I've listened to our community over that time. Um, some of us have since come back since in June. Some of us kind of trickled in after that, some of us came back in, in March. Some of us still haven't come back now, and we're still online. And I've listened to all of us through all of this, and one thing that's constantly come up is I'm lonely. That that physical distance either exposed or exacerbated uh, a relational distance that we now experience. You've either always felt relationally distanced, and that physical distance exposed it. Or you hadn't felt relationally distanced, but the physical distances exacerbated it. Now here we are, have been together, and there are a lot of us who would still say, I'm lonely. And with that comes frustration that perpetuates relational distance. Various beefs come up that perpetuate relational distance. We're, we, we, we all are experiencing this relational distance, and I've come to a people to proclaim good news. Christ has come to us with peace. Jeron, how is peace good news to the lonely? How is peace good news to the relationally distant? Let's take our way through this text. Paul, he writes to these Ephesians and he says, He, Christ, came to those who were far. That's us. And he came to those who were near. That's the Jews. And he proclaimed peace. Now, y'all are smart. I see it on your faces. So y'all, y- y'all smart selves. Y'all said right off the bat, Jeron wait, wait, Jesus proclaimed peace to the Ephesians? And I'd say, yes. And your smart self would say, didn't Jesus die, get up from that grave, and go sit on the throne in heaven in in somewhere between 30 and 36 A.D.? And I'd say, yes. And you'd say, but isn't it true that no one in Ephesus had heard the gospel until 52 A.D. when Paul walked into town? And I'd say, yes. And you'd ask, how could Jesus proclaim peace to the Ephesians, who didn't hear the gospel until 52 AD, when he left earth in 30 AD. And I'd say, maybe, maybe, maybe that when Paul came into town and started proclaiming peace, he saw himself as the vessel that Jesus used. Maybe, maybe Paul saw himself as, the, as, as Christ's megaphone, Christ's mouthpiece, by which Christ proclaimed peace to the people in Ephesus. I just want to pause really quick for the cause and say, do not reduce your role in his redemptive mission. Parents. Children's ministry workers. Those of us who spend time talking to little ones about Jesus, do not reduce your role. Do not minimize what's happening. You aren't just telling bedtime stories. You aren't just passing time. You aren't just back there so the big people can have real church in here. No, listen to me. Christ is using you to proclaim his message through your mouth to those little ones. Do not reduce your role. When I look at you, I gotta, I gotta jump in line with Isaiah and say, "How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and proclaim peace?" Yeah. Yeah. Don't reduce your role. So, so Christ, He proclaims peace through His people, who He uses as a mouthpiece. You remember that day when He proclaimed peace to you, Christian? Were you in church camp, Sunday school, uh, conversation in a, in a parking lot somewhere, in, in, a, in a building like this, all alone, and the word really hit? You remember that day? You remember when Christ came through your neighborhood and started proclaiming peace? Uh, when Christ comes through our neighborhood and starts proclaiming peace, it's like the ice cream man. Uh, you know how the ice cream man comes through town and you hear. Dun 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 I don't actually remember if that's the ice cream man song or not. That might be another song. Um, I'm almost I'm 99 percent sure that's another song. Um, <laughs> But 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 when you hear that, when you heard that, you knew that the ice cream man wasn't just informing you that he had ice cream. He was inviting you to come get that ice cream. When Christ comes through and says, peace, 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 he's not just informing you, I have peace. He's inviting you to come live in it. He can freely offer it because he's the one who created it. Uh, Paul, Paul in Colossians 119 says, speaking of Jesus, The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Somehow deity put on humanity and kept his deity, was born through the womb of a woman without the help of man, and she named him Jesus. So when you're looking at the man Jesus, know all of God is in there. In the next verse, he says, and he made peace by the blood of his cross. That's his work. What's his work, Jeron? Uh, the song says, He gave himself into the hands of men, and those men hung him high. Those men stretched him wide. The God-man hung his head, and he died. But that's not where the story ends, because three days later, he rose again. The author of Hebrews says, looking back on that, I know there are priests who made peace offering after peace offering after peace offering. But when the God man came, died and rose, that was one offering for all time, for the peace of all people who would believe in him. He made peace. This is good news to maybe it'll be good news to us if I made a few clarifying comments about it. Um, first clarifying comment: Y'all already know this, so I'll talk to the people on the internet. Peace is not ju- is not transactional; it's relational. If we're not careful, we could minimize peace to a transactional concept. It says that Jesus paid it all just so God wouldn't be mad at me no more. It was a one-time act happened back then, that's good. It, it reduces Jesus' death to, to him being paying the price to buy us a ticket out of hell and into heaven someday, and that's it. We reduce peace to a transactional thing. But friend, peace is much more than that. Peace runs from the Old Testament through the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's shalom. In the New Testament, it's a rene. And it's this concept of harmony and wholeness and oneness. When it's used of talking about relationships, it speaks of relational harmony. Peace isn't just a transaction of me getting into hell or me getting into heaven. Peace is oneness, friendship with God. Jesus didn't die just to get you into heaven. He died so you can be friends with God right now. Peace is not just transactional, it's relational. Here's one more. Peace isn't just vertical, it's horizontal. This this portion of scripture I just pulled out of a passage where Paul talks about peace. And he says, he, Jesus himself, is our peace. Paul introduces the concept of peace and you know what he starts talking about? Not our relationship with God. In the immediate, he starts talking about our relationship with each other. Peace isn't just friendship with God. Peace is friendship with the people of God. Do not reduce the gospel to something that's just vertical. New Testament knows nothing about it. New Testament knows nothing about a gospel that's just me getting right with God and people are a second thought. No, no, no. When Paul talks about peace, he says they happen simultaneously. He made peace with one another and then brought us both together to God. You can't separate right relationship with God from right relationship with God's people. A gospel that only focuses on the vertical is a reduced gospel that 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 reduced gospel is the kind of gospel where clansmen can be in clergy that that reduced gospel is where where the baptized can go home and beat on their family that reduced gospel is how I can sit up here and sing songs right here to God but but I'm cursing my brother under his breath under my breath while he's on the other side of the row And the New Testament, Paul, James, John, Peter, they spend so much time, fact check me if you don't believe me, attacking a reduced gospel that that neglects relationships with the people of God. Peace is not just relational harmony with God, but it's also relational harmony with God's people. What's this good news to the lonely? What's this good news to the relationally disconnected is that Christ came to give us relational harmony, friendship with God and his people. If it's not good to, news to you yet, yet, let's look at a few pictures that Paul paints of peace. Um, here's one picture Paul paints of peace. Paul says peace looks like people being brought in to the presence of God. You want a picture of peace? It's people being brought into the presence of God. Paul says through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father in one Spirit, He says we both have access. Uh, you, you've heard me tell Doctor Tony Evans' story, where he says that there was a dude who had a brother who was on death row. Um, they had gone through all the trials. There was no way to get him off a of death row. All their resources had been depleted. The only way that this man could get his brother off a of death row was was a miracle, a presidential pardon, if you will. But that wasn't happening. So, dude, he's walking down the street in the park, sobbing, crying, ends up sitting on a bench and broke down. And this little boy walks by him and he sees him crying and he says, what? What's wrong, sir? And the man sobbing says, well, my brother's on death row. There's no way I can get him off. I need a miracle. So the little boy looks at him and grabs him by the hand and runs him through town, runs him down Pennsylvania Avenue, Runs him through the gate to the White House, right into the Oval Office, to where President Lincoln looks at this little boy and says, how can I help you, son? And the little boy says, my friend would like to talk to you. Uh, uh, okay. Being brought into the presence of God, access is, is the Son of God taking us by the hand, running us through the veil, right into the throne room where the God the Father gives us a hearing. Yeah. This ain't just one time. This is 24-7, 365. You have Access. That word access, it, it comes with the idea also of freedom of speech. Ooh, we like that word, don't we? That's been a big deal to us lately, hasn't it? Freedom of speech. What can I say on Facebook? I can't say that on Twitter. I'm just going to go to this social media. We can't say that through my, oh, we've been up in arms about freedom of speech. Listen, friends, there might be some things you probably shouldn't say on social media. Might be some things you shouldn't say in Period. But here's the good news. You can say it all to God. You got freedom of speech. He he might not agree with it, but he'll accept it. He'll rebuke you sometimes, but he'll say, run to me with it. Just lay it all bare. You got freedom of speech. But, but, But access also comes with the idea of the father is free of contempt. So, so you ever gone into a fast food restaurant? Um, I don't know. Let's just imagine some fast food restaurant in imaginary land that rhymes with McDonald's. I don't know. You ever you, imagine you somehow stumbled into a place that rhymes with McDonald's? And you know you got that that fast food worker behind the counter, and they roll their eyes when you walk up to them. They breathe real hard when you ask them for something. They drag their feet. They're all reluctant. Their body language communicates I'm tolerating you. You're not talking to a fast food worker. You're approaching your father. He's not tolerating you. He invites you in. He's not looking at you with a straight face, wishing you would get over it. He's smiling at you. He says, come to me. Talk to me. Sing to me. You don't have to say anything. Just sit with me. And I love it. It's free of contempt. So Paul's first picture of peace is us being able to walk into the presence of God, say whatever we want, and him invite us in. The second one is a picture of peace. Peace looks like people being brought into the people of God. Paul said, I like how he says it. He says, you are no longer. Have you ever been something until you weren't? Uh, some of you stood up on a stage like this in a church like this and one moment you were single then the minister said I now pronounce you husband and wife and the next moment you weren't single in an instant your whole existence changed or, or, or you know your high school graduation where one moment you're, 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 you're a high school student and then the, whoever was presiding over the graduation says congratulate the class of 2017 and then in an instant you weren't a student anymore that's what Paul is getting at when he says no longer. He says, yes, you might have been a stranger. You might have been an alien. But Christ came and you weren't. You're not anymore. I like also how he does it because these words, stranger, alien, fellow citizen, a member of the household of God, they're, they're juxtaposed. They, they're, they're, they're correlated. So, so stranger is the opposite of fellow citizen. Alien is the opposite of member of the household of God. Paul says, you're no longer a stranger. A stranger is someone who has no place and no part. Someone who's passing through a place and they have no part in what's going on in that place. In the scripture, in reality, it's an immigrant. At best, it's a tourist. You you ever gone on a, a field trip that was like a tour through a factory or something? Where that building, that's not your place. You have no place, no room. You have no office. You have no place in that building. And then the workers are doing all kinds of cool stuff, messing with all kinds of cool machines, and you have no part in any of that cool activity either. You're just passing through watching. You ever felt like a tourist in church? Pass through on Sunday mornings. Leave, go on and do your thing. Just passing through the community no place in the community you see everybody else engaging in the life of the church everyone else has a part to play but you have no place or no part paul says you're no longer a stranger anymore he says but now you're a fellow citizen fellow citizen is a person who has a place and a part uh, in, in the city of God, all who believed in Christ have a permanent address among the people of God and you have an official part to play in kingdom business. You're a fellow citizen. When you believed in Christ, He, he called you to be a part of kingdom business. He gifted you to be a part of kingdom business. He's commissioned you to be a part of kingdom business. Listen to me, Christ Church, We're no longer Strangers. We're citizens. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a part. I like how he says it. He says, you're fellow citizens with the saints. The saints aren't just those of us in church today. He's talking about the saints throughout the history of the people of God. He's saying, you're next door neighbors with Abraham. Co-workers with David. On mission with Ruth and Rahab. Joining Mother Teresa and all that she's doing, doing crusades with Billy Graham, you're in Kingdom business with the saints. You have a part. He says you're no longer fellow, you're no longer stranger, but now you're fellow citizens. And he also says you're no longer aliens, but you're members of the household of God. An alien is a person who's in their place but have no people. Could you imagine moving to a city like Fort Worth? living there for 50 years and not knowing anybody? You have a permanent address, that's your home, and you have no relationships? Go to work, come home, go to work, come home, it's just you. The highs and lows of life come, but it's just you. Only you celebrate, only you mourn, only you experience, no one to share it with. Could you imagine? I know you could imagine, because that's how some of you feel in church. This is your home. Christchurch is your church. Christchurch is your people. You have no people at Christchurch. Shared life with nobody. Going through life alone. He says, you're no longer an alien. But, but, but now you're a member of the household of God. Listen to me. You've inherited brothers and sisters. You've inherited mothers and fathers. Not just in name, in function. You've inherited, whether we like it or not, it's a kingdom spiritual reality by God who created everything out of nothing. He said, "Your family. You have people to share it with. People to cry with. People to laugh with. People to go to God with. He said, you're you're members of the household of God. What's Paul's picture? His picture is of us being brought into the people of God. Are you picking up what he's saying? He's saying that Christ came and he offered us peace, and that peace was bigger than us just getting together in a building together. Peace is more than us just being around each other, peace is harmony. It's sharing life together. It's going to God together. It's being together. It's life together. That's good news for the lonely. That's good news for the relationally disconnected. So so here's our conclusion of this family talk. We need to become a people of peace. We need to take Christ up on his offer. Because he's still in the neighborhood. And he's still saying, I got peace. I'm inviting you to come live in Peace. What's that look like? For some of us, that looks like those of us who haven't believed in Jesus. He's proclaiming peace to you. He's saying, I died in your place so you can have friendship with God to now. The moment you believe in that, you come into friendship with God and God's people. That's your step. Christian, we got some steps to take. This would generally be a sermon where I get up here and talk about community groups. I'm not talking about community groups today. Those are coming real soon. But listen to me. If this isn't a part of our culture if living in peace isn't a part of our heart and who we are, community groups will not do the job. I heard a book, uh, read a book You say, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't care what strategy we have to connect people. If it's not who we are, that strategy is not working. We can't make peace without community groups. We won't make peace with them. So we need to start taking steps into peace. So here's a step. Here's one. Um, some of us need to come back to the body. By that I mean reconcile. Some of us have been uh, have been offenders of somebody. Jesus says. If you're presenting your gift at the altar and you remember your brother or sister has something against you, drop your gift immediately and go make it right with them. We don't wait for someone to come to us and tell us they're mad at us. If we sense it, we go make it right. On the other end, some of us are the offended. Jesus says, forgive freely. Forgive forgive as I have forgiven you. We, We forgive without requiring a pound of flesh. Jesus already made that sacrifice. And I know you've been hurt. I know you've been, I know, I know they've done some damage. I'm not minimizing that. I'm saying the hurt that happened in community is going to be healed in community. Come back to the body. Maybe some of us, we've, we've pushed ourselves off. We've, we've just kind of, we've just been halfway in. No, no, come back to the body. Here's another one. Choose somebody. Those of us who don't have anyone to live this life with, to share this life with, just choose somebody. Commit. Covenant with one another and say, we're going to live this life with God together. Here's how easy it is. Hey, you want to go to lunch? You want to come out to dinner this week? You You can be more straightforward if you want. Hey, can you walk with Jesus with me together? Let's share this walk with Jesus together. Choose somebody. Here's the last one. Include somebody. I'm talking to the long-term Christchurchers. Uh, friends, that's who I'm talking to. Those of us who've been here for a minute. Include somebody. We, we've already found our people. We've already found our group. We already have our, our, our family, our people that we run with. Great. More people have come in the doors since you found that family. And we don't want to be those who, 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 who we require. Just by our actions, we're communicating. If you want to be in, you got to get your way in and fit in. No, we go and let people in. We go and bring people in. I've talked to people. This is a recurring comment I've heard. Someone will come and visit and they'll say, everyone looks real close. Kind of seems closed off. They really love each other. I just don't see how I can get into that. We don't want to leave them in that spot. We don't even want them to question that spot. I'd much rather include them in and they leave than them be hoping someone brings them in and we do nothing. No, no, we come and include them. That, that's work. Peace takes work. But it's worth it. Can I tell y'all just a few really quick stories about how sweet moments of peace in my own life? Uh, 2018 or 19, I went through this really dry spell with Jesus. If you asked me what I felt like doing in my relationship with Jesus, I felt like doing nothing. Didn't want to read, didn't want to pray, halfway didn't want to preach. And uh I was silent about that for a few weeks. Then finally, my community group, we had a we had a gathering, and then we split up and prayed. So me and some of the guys got together in the office there and we prayed and asked what was going on. I told him I was like, I just don't feel it. I don't got it. They said, well, we'll pray together about that. Spiritually, we're going to lock arms with that. And in an instant, that went from my burden to our thing. That went from me carrying the load to us carrying the load. And I'm going to be honest, my community group prayed your pastor out of that hump. That, that, that takes work, but it's worth it. Oh, here's another one. Um, 2017, fall of 2017, my wife and I got engaged in the spring of 2018. So in the fall of 2017, being the 24-year-old dummy I was, uh, I, I, I was on the brink of imploding and ending our whole relationship. But then a couple, they noticed signs, and they came to us. And they said, hey, y'all don't look too hot. Come over for dinner. That started years of conversation of them walking through us through marriage and family together. That's still continuing today. That takes work, but it's worth it. Oh, here's one more. Um, This summer, this summer, uh, June, I believe. uh, I don't know if y'all know this or not. Um. When a black person sees another black person on the news having been gunned down, that's psychologically tormenting. That's hard to live with. So I'm coming to work with this one week in particular, silent, in my own head. We're going through staff meetings, and another one of our leaders stops staff meeting and says, before we move on, John, I just want to know how you are. And this wasn't a surface level, how are you, where I say, good, how are you? No, he was talking to my soul. He was saying, how are you? That question fixed nothing. But it was healing. Because in an instant, I knew it's not just me in this. Someone cares. Listen, that's work. But it's worth it. I pray that we, we do that. We do that work of living in that peace Jesus has already created for us.